0: All right, everyone. Welcome to Strictly Sports. I'm Jacob Brown, joined here with Steve Cashin. It's MLB opening week. We're here. Um, it's going to be really exciting to watch opening day on Thursday and Friday. Not my Yankees on Thursday anymore. The Yankees, Red Sox, and Twins Mariners, which was one that I was going to watch as well. That was a great matchup. Both postponed to Friday. There's still some great opening day matchups. But Steve, dude, I mean, we, we haven't even gone through all of these teams yet and really even thought hold on, where are these teams even going to finish? There's been such a long off season. All we've talked about are the moves, but now it's opening day. You're like, wait a second, how are these teams even going to do?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, tomorrow is like Christmas day for any baseball fan. We go through it every year, but uh, finally some real uh, meaningful baseball again. Um, It's unfortunate the Yankees Red Sox gets postponed um, day one, got the wait another day, but um, a lot of good games on tap. And and like you mentioned, uh, you know, really kind of diving into this one on, of where teams are going to end up and shake out. And we've been through every move that, you know, that's been made this offseason. season um, teams have gotten better. Some teams um, like Tampa have gotten rid of some key pieces um, and gotten worse, but uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be um, interesting to see where a lot of these teams uh, you know, match up in their division um, and according to the league as well. So um, yeah, I'm excited to, you know, go through it and, and really kind of dive into, you know, what the season is in store for us. And, you know, like I said, tomorrow kicks it all off. Um, into any fan that's out there it's like hey if you win or lose tomorrow there's 161 games left yeah you're not going 162 <laughs> yeah. and 0 um but yeah it's a long it's a long grind and um yeah, great to have baseball back
0: yeah i can almost hear the yankee fans in my head uh, gallo struck out four times on opening days a bomb it's coming
1: man <laughs> yeah yeah you get the uh you know, you know the, all the the baseball critics out tomorrow that everyone that's a manager We'll be hitting Twitter and uh, really critiquing everyone's three yeah. at-bats uh, on day one. It's like, all right, listen, we have about 600 more ABs left. Uh, let's take it easy.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, t- I'm telling you, though, Steve, I-, I think I'm mentally tapped in cognitively to some of these MLB front offices. And, I, and it made me think yesterday. I'm, I'm sitting in my car, and I'm saying, man, this was two days ago, maybe, whatever it was. I'm sitting in my car. I'm like, man, the Detroit Tigers— if they add some, I was like, because there was the day they called up Spencer Torkelson, their first base prospect, supposed to be a stud, Miguel Cabrera. Imagine this, by the way, Miguel Cabrera, the way he was awarded the job, Miguel Cabrera goes up to him in the clubhouse, gives him a first base glove. Like Spencer Torkelson's our age. He was sit, he was watching Miggy when we were as kids. Imagine getting the job like that. Um, so that's incredible. But I was sitting there looking at the Tigers team. I'm like, they got Baez. You know, they're calling up Torkelson. They've got this young pitching staff. Scope hit 20 home runs, last, 22 home runs last year. And it's like, they they have something going. They have Riley Green, this young outfield prospect, injured to start the year, 20 years old. He's going to eventually come up. But then I'm like, if they just got one piece, I was like, they, one out. I literally said to him, I'm talking to myself out loud in the car. I'm like, they need an outfielder. And then the next day, they trade for Austin Meadows from the Rays. They give up Isaac Paredes. And I'm like, I should be working for the Detroit Tigers right now. But it's a great move for them. And I'm telling you, they're a very low-key team. I, I looked at their lineup. It's not amazing. You don't look at the lineup and go, whoa, you know, I'm scared. But one through seven or eight, if these guys are who they're supposed to be, and I have it pulled up right now on MLB The Show 22. Uh, so so Akil Badu going to switch from left to center so that Meadows can play left. And then you have Robbie Grossman in right field bias at short candelario at third um torkelson at first base scope at second and then a catching platoon with barnhart and and eric haas and miguel cabrera as your dh again it's not scary but it's like they're getting somewhere
1: yeah for sure and i think they're a team that last year they finished i think it was eight games under 577 and 85 in a division where the where the white Sox were dominant for 162 games just about they went through a couple lulls there but the Tigers are a team that I think kind of took people's eye a little bit last year with everyone thought oh they're going to be the bottom of the barrel of the league they're going to win 50 60 games don't worry about them but they were kind of a people's they were a thorn in, in team size last year and now you add a, a guy like Meadows you have green that's on the way he's going to join the ball club somewhere along the lines and Like you mentioned, that one piece in Austin Meadows, that's 100 RBIs, 100 plus RBIs that's coming into your lineup with a a lineup that's already can produce and they can work their lineups. They can work the counts. They have a ton of tools um, in in the trade there. So they they're a team that I don't know, you know, kind of what the outlook could be for them. They could be a fringe wildcard team, maybe if everything goes right, but they have the tools to be a, a contender a few years down the road if they keep this this young core intact with the pieces they have they're building around. And they have a good pitching staff, um, a good enough staff that is to compete on a night-in, night-out basis. So I think going out and get Meadows was huge. Like I said, it adds 100 RBIs to that lineup. That's a ton of front production that you can add in the middle, back, back end. He can bat anywhere in that lineup. So uh, it's a great move for them. They gave up absolutely nothing for him. And – they, they're they running off in the sunset with a, with a great ball player.
0: I, I will say, like, Isaac Paredes, he was a top-ranked prospect for Detroit. They gave him opportunities last year. They were like, try out, you know, all these different infield positions. It didn't work. Um, so, you know, they have scope. They have Condelario. They signed Baez. They don't need him anymore. The Rays are thinking we don't really have a third baseman right now. Uh, they have Yandy Diaz, but it seems like more so they're going to platoon him with Choi at first base. They also have an open DH slot in Tampa. So Parade, I, and he might be starting the year in the minors, but he'll be up. Um, you know, I think Taylor Walls is the third baseman for the Rays right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um,
1: yeah, he's kind of – he's a platoon guy. Um, yeah, like, who
0: are they going with now? Because they got rid of Brasso. Wendell's gone. Uh, you know, so I don't you – know, they could play Yandy over there, Troy at first, and then somebody DHs, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, there. that's a – a big question mark surrounding that team. Uh, I, I would say Yandy Diaz would be the third baseman. Um, Josh Lowe is on the opening day roster. I think he can yeah. play on the first base as well. So he could be, you know, the platoon first baseman over there, but Choi, um, depending on how, you know, the bats score out. But definitely, uh, definitely going to miss Meadows out there because it's a team that's going to be struggling to score a lot of runs this year. Um, a lot of question marks surrounding their pitching staff um that lingered on from last year but yeah i mean getting rid of a guy for nothing it just really kind of puts your mind into a what is this organization trying to do i told you it's the most frustrating thing as a fan what the hell are we doing as an organization what is the ownership thinking why are we getting rid of all these players it goes back to don't want to pay them the money and it's frustrating but a lot of things to figure out um over there in tampa
0: yeah. And, and, you know, I was, I was trying to think of some sort of raise reason as to why they would give away Meadows. And I tweeted it out that if you look deep into the Meadow, into the Austin Meadows' numbers, the analytics wouldn't love him. Um, and the Rays are heavily analytic. You look at that weighted drunk created plus and the Woba stats that we always talk about. We don't talk about them because we necessarily like them. We talk about them because that's how these front offices, a lot of them view these players. They look at these numbers and they say, that's who he's going to be. And you know when the, when your numbers are closer to 100 than they are to maybe 125, 130, which is where you start to get to the above average note. 113 is not there for those super analytics. But why is it that low? It's because he has a 315 on base, and so the Rays are like, we like walks, we like higher averages, uh, we like better defense because they like to use a Rosarena at DH, and they like to DH Meadows because both of them are kind of shaky at defense, although randy I, I don't get the the hate on randy as a defender i think he's pretty good out there he's not terrible uh but meadows is worse so th- that's the only thing i thought of that they're like well phillips is a good defender margot's a good defender and margot's a righty we have too many lefty outfielders he doesn't get on base a lot but then it's like how about the traditional stats bro 106 freaking rbis and 27 26 27 home runs
1: yeah exactly and you kind of they, they're that money ball team They like to get on base. They like walks. They like to kind of play that small ball kind of mentality where, hey, we're going to squeeze games out four to three and we're going to use our pitching staff and we're going to use our defensive analytic mindset to win games. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's you don't win championships that way um, when it's all said and done. You get you get beat and you win with the best lineup out there. You look at the Red Sox, of the world, the Astros, the Yankees, the Atlanta Braves Dodgers you can go down the list of teams that go out and spend money and they use the traditional hey this guy's going to give us 30 to 40 homers a year 100 plus RBIs and we're going to have five or six of those guys good luck throwing out whoever you want against us we're going to find the way to use our power and our strengths to to beat you and I think the razor mindset is very skewed in that regard because you can save all the runs you want but come postseason come get time when it's every game matters you need those guys that can come up and don't go ghost when the the play matters and that's yeah. kind of what Meadows guys like Brandon Lau a Rosa rain at times they go they go ghost and you can't have that when you're in a five game series and every game counts so I think it's frustrating on that regard but uh that's why they they haven't been able to capture a championship over here in Tampa
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe they're thinking too, you know, you'll get Wander Franco for a full year and, and maybe they're thinking that that will make up for some of the production as well, that you'll get all that extra time of Franco, but still like why couldn't Meadows have been there with Franco at the same time? And the, and the other thing is they have control of Meadows through 2025 or six in Detroit that, I mean, they still had him. It wasn't one of those trades where, Oh, we have one year left and we want to get value. And you know if the Rays want to play this game of you know, we're gonna keep you to four three, and this isn't me coming down on the Rays because you know, I get on them a lot. I live in Tampa, I'm a Yankee fan, they get on me a lot, whatever. Uh, it's all good fun at the end of the day. And I, I don't like them unloading their team like this. It's not fun. I don't like this brand of baseball, so I'm gonna criticize it. And when if they want to come and play this game, that they're gonna do it with their pitching. I'm sorry, I just don't this year, I don't see it, it's not there. Like all the, every other year you have that number one where it's like, okay, if you have the number one, then all the other 18 arms the Rays have will fall into place. This year, I don't see that. Like Shane McClanahan last year, respect. You know, under 23 innings, 3.43 ERA, that's great. But he is young, he's 24 years old. You know, what happens with some of these pitchers? These hitters get the year two book on him. We don't know what he's going to do over a full season and in 32 starts. You have Corey Kluber, Yeah, he threw a no hitter last year, but he had 80 total innings uh, and missed most of the season for the Yankees. Luis Patino today in spring training. You just told me, Steve, he got rocked a little bit. He's still young. Might throw 100 mile per hour, but he's young. Shane Boz starting the year on the I.L. And and then it's like, you know, Ryan Yarbrough, Drew Rasmussen, Josh Fleming. They don't wow me anymore. You know, Yanni Torinos eventually, hopefully Glasnow gets back. But to tell me that oh, we can get rid of meadows because we'll have the pitching to back it up. I don't think it's there anymore.
1: yeah, I mean, there's living in fantasy land and thinking, oh, it's going to be great, the numbers say this, you know past numbers have and results have been there, but like I said, there's the realest part of it. I don't see it for this race team. I think they're I think to finish you know five hundred or above would be a great season for them wow There's there's just not there's just not enough there, especially with the division that's gotten better around you. You know, The Red Sox got better. The Blue Jays got better. The Yankees stayed put, but they re-signed key free agents like Anthony Rizzo. Um, they have a great pitching staff. Um, they got rid of um, Urshela and, and Sanchez, but they got better in getting Donaldson to, to fill that void. So you look at the Rays, they, they I think they got worse throughout the offseason. And there's just the pitching staff is a, the biggest question mark which has been their key strengths in getting them to a world series appearance, getting them to hundred wins last year. But now you mentioned the year two book. It's huge in baseball, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher, once you have that book on you, they will attack your weaknesses and they will exploit you and they will make you pay unless you make that adjustment. Now I'm one of those that say spring training doesn't matter wins or losses, but key points in that game. Like today, Patino is getting his, his fastball is off speed. Stuff's getting just shelled. Four and runs and an inning in a third. Those little things you find in key points in spring training games tell you a lot about what you're about to endure in a season. And they've been kind of smacked around this pitching staff early in spring training. Now, maybe it's all, hey, we're not going to show them everything to start, but you have to use some of your bullets in spring training. And I think this Rays team has to figure it out or they're just going to get left in the dust this year because of the talent that surrounds them in this AL East. Yeah. And
0: even like, to me, best case scenario, McClanahan, you know, uh, and, and, you know, Shane Boz comes back and Chirinos comes back and they've got like three, four, five good arms. Even in that case, it's like the hitting got worse. And I don't think in a division where the Blue Jays add Matt Chapman and, and doing all the things they're doing up there. I mean, the, the, and they add Kevin Gaussman and they add Yusei Kikuchi and it's like, well, they have five starters. So they have maybe the best rotation in the division. Um, The Blue Jays do their bullpens just as good as anyone else's in the division. All four have strong, you know, I'm not even counting the order all four have strong bullpens. And now the key separator is the offense. And I, you know, and we'll talk about the whole AL East now, like the Blue Jays to me are best in all three categories. I get they're getting the hype right now uh, and they've never done it before. So that's always hard to, to, put expectations on a team that's never, I mean, they missed the playoffs last year, 90 wins, but they missed the playoffs. So, um, you know, they, and, and they, they missed the playoffs with a guy that won the Cy Young. So it's, it's not exactly like we're definitely going to win the division Toronto Blue Jays, but they look strong. And then you have the Red Sox. They had a Trevor story now. And, and, you know, the rotation problems are always a problem. You know, Chris sales out now with a rib fracture, Nathan of the opening day guy Eduardo Rodriguez is gone. And they're turning to Rich Hill and Michael Walker. So the Red Sox have questions there too. But so so like, basically my whole point is the Rays are like fourth in offense, third in rotation now, and like, you know, bullpen, you could pick apart all four teams. So they're not above the pack, even though they won the division.
1: Yeah, and I had this conversation with a few friends the other day. Like, I was talking to my dad and it's, you look at this this kind of roster and you go, who the heck do we have? And obviously if you're a real fan you see the names and you know who they are, but it's like, you don't have the household names, like the blue Jays, the Yankees, the Red Sox have, or oh, we have Chris sale going. You feel confident that you can get a win that day. You can get seven, eight innings thrown the Rays are. It's going to be a piecemeal work all year. And it's yep. just, it's a, it's a, it's a game of roulette they're playing. It's
0: you're like, how long can you keep it going? It's been like a three-year amazing run.
1: It's been a great run. And what, what's happened in the past, It's it's been great. They've been fortunate enough to be where they were and as a fan to watch it. Uh, it's been great with the money they spent. But at the end of the day, it just uh, it's not going to get it done because you have so many question marks like Shane Baz. Um, Yanni Torinos has been out for almost a two full calendar years. Um, Glass now is not there. He's had his problems with injuries. Yarbrough's kind of been called on his bluff. So you look at it. And the numbers don't lie. Uh, they're trending in a, in, in a, in a bad direction for this team. And you look at guys that in organizations that want to, you know, commit to winning and that's what the blue Jays have done. And that's what the red Sox have been doing. And that's why at the end of the day, they produced ch- the red Sox. That is they produce championships because they have the commitment to win. They have that philosophy down that we're going to get guys that produce the numbers and they do it consistently on the ball field. So not this hypothetical oh we're going to use advanced statistics it's great to find guys in the system but you need real-time players big-time guys that can prove it and they and they have done
0: yeah no it's totally true and uh you know it's gonna be a long year though i don't think we should just cast them off they always raise a season up right when you think they're not there they're gonna do it they're gonna find guys that you don't think are gonna contribute um like a Josh Lowe. Josh Lowe's is a perfect example. What if he comes up and he's just great? They still have Vidal Brujan in the minor leagues, who's a big prospect. Um, so they've got guys. But again, like you said, it's piecework. You're going to have to piece it together every day. Okay, who's my nine? Who's my starter? Who are my bullpen guys today? Because I know my starter is not going to go seven. And it's going to be a lot of that all season. But you know, we'll see. So moving on to the Red Sox. Uh, like I just said, Chris sails out and they have rotated, you know, we, we do this dance every year with the Red Sox where we go, where the heck is their starting pitching? And then they end up hitting so much that they make the postseason. Uh, but this year in a division that's tougher in an American league, that's tougher. I don't know about that. Although I, st- I do think they'll make the playoffs. So you look at their division, Nathan Nivaldi, uh, Rich Hill, Nick Pavetta, Michael Walker, and Tanner Houck is their opening rotation. So Rich Hill, He ain't getting any younger. He's 42 years old. Um, You know, he has injury problems every now and then, but he is kind of consistent. You know what you're going to kind of get out of him. Nick Pavetta had a fantastic postseason last year. They're hoping that he can turn that into a good regular season. Michael Walker, he's there for innings. Once James Paxson's healthy, once Chris Sale's healthy, he's out. Same thing with probably Tanner Houck uh, and maybe Rich Hill too. So this rotation isn't strong. But their bullpen, they made some additions. So they added Jake Diekman from the Oakland Athletics, hard throwing lefty with a wicked slider. They still have Matt Barnes, Garrett Whitlock, uh, Darwins and Hernandez, Ryan Brazier, Hirokazu Sawamura. I got that name right. Uh, So they still got guys out there, but this offense is what's going to drive them. So what, what do you think about their pitching, though?
1: Yeah, their pitching is it's, – it's just almost the same as last year, except you're just swapping on a couple of names here and there. I'm, I feel like I'm looking at a quarter of the Rays rotation last year, which it was. Michael Walker, yeah. Rich Hill, Nathan Avoldi. way back a couple of years ago. Um, it's, it's dicey at best. I mean, I'm looking at, um, you know, a lot of mid-three, four ERA guys. And that can, can only get you so far. Um, for so long it seems like but that's kind of what they did last year they had a, a rotation of guys that were mid 3-4 ERA guys but they still found a way to win games because of that that top heavy lineup that they have they were able to score a ton of runs in this season they had guys like Bogarts um, Schwarber who they they had uh, JD Martinez Verdugo now you had Story Bobby Dahlback, Vasquez Kike uh, Hernandez ton of guys you can't pitch around and that's how they were able to win so many games they were able to piecemeal it together with this rotation and give me four or five innings and then we'll hand it over to our little a loaded bullpen i would say where they could shut the door if they had a lead so i think their starting rotation has some question marks surrounding it but like you mentioned earlier they'll get chris sale back at some point and one of those guys will be uh waka or hill depending on how the season plays out till that time one of those guys will get shuffled in and out. Maybe Walker goes to a bullpen role, which he did last year in Tampa Yep, was more successful in the bullpen. So I think he'd be the guy that gets swapped out for sale. And then maybe he'd be the bridge guy that you add in to eat a few innings to get to your bullpen if needed. So it doesn't concern me as much because like I mentioned that top heavy lineup, uh, hundreds of RBIs there um, up top one through four, every guy's potential um, of hitting 20 for 20 for 75 or 20 for 25 to 100 RBI. So they they have a lot of potential in that lineup, and that's what will really get them to where they were last year um, and back potentially to uh, another championship series. So um, how they stack up against the rest of the division is is solid in terms of a lineup. Um, the only thing I say that steps them back is is their their pitching will take them as far as um, as far as they want to go.
0: Yeah. And but one thing about the Red Sox that I really do respect and the Blue Jays do this, too. And John Boy pointed this out uh, when they were doing their their team profile projection podcast. The Red Sox put the same top of the order in the lineup every single day, no matter what. No rest days. None of that stuff that the Yankees do. The Rays don't do rest days. They do just platoon every day. The Blue Jays and the Red Sox are like, we're going to throw the same top six out every day. And the way it's going to shake out for the Red Sox is Kike. Uh, the way it was rolled out in the final spring training, the one through six, because they didn't do they didn't start Vasquez, Dahlbeck, or Bradley in the final game, but they'll be in that opening day lineup. Uh, so it was Kike, Devers, Bogarts, Martinez, Verdugo, Story. And that's a hell of a top six. And, and Trevor Story hitting sixth in a lineup where he's protected is going to have a much better season. A lot of people are clinging to the fact that he had a down year last year. But after the trade deadline last year, he literally did not want to be there. He thought he was going to be traded. And a lot of people in that clubhouse leaks kind of came out that he literally just was so not motivated. He didn't want to be there. Last place team. Who does? You know, I mean, I get it. He's a major league baseball player. Be happy to show up. But at the same time, he wanted to go somewhere else. Now he is. It's going to be a lot better for them. And then seven, eight, nine to have. Vasquez, Dahlbeck, Bradley, and Mixon, Jaron Duran, and maybe they bring up Tristan Casas, who's their third-base prospect, who can also play first. They can just, they can hit the ball.
1: Yeah, and this is the Red Sox, that is, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Red Sox, they they can hit the baseball. And that's consistent consistency, like you mentioned, with what the Blue Jays and the Red Sox do, which I admire. I admire any baseball team that has consistency. That's how you win. That's how you build that formula. You, Especially a guy like, you look at this lineup, Bobby Dalback, even Jackie Bradley Jr. who plays outfield. He's a platoon guy out there. He's going to bat eight or nine every single day or seven or eight every single day. He's going to figure it out. Even if he's struggling, we're not going to take you out unless you're absolutely abysmal out there. They're going to have their star players and their mid-tier guys figure it out. And that's how they're able to find consistency throughout 90% of the season. Now you look at a team like Tampa or the Yankees and you go outside of the AL East, even you look at, I mean, I don't even know who does as much platooning, not many teams, but yeah. you look at the consistency. They figure it out. Maybe they struggle throughout the beginning of the year with the, how these guys are positioned in the lineup, but come all-star break, three quarters of the way through, they hit their stride. The Blue Jays did it last year. Phenomenally. The Red Sox did it phenomenally. The made. Atlanta
0: Braves, man.
1: The Atlanta Braves consistency just tore through the league at the end of the year. And coincidence, I think not. They were the teams that ended up the final four in the championship series. And the Braves ultimately made it to the world series. Red Sox were a game. They went to a game seven. They were one game short or two games short of a world series appearance. That's how you win. That's the formula in this, in this day and age is ignore the analytics keep that same consistency. And that's how you'll win because that's just how these baseball players are freaks of nature. They are, they're creatures of habit. They want to stay in that same spot. They feel comfortable in that area unless they come and tell you otherwise, Hey, I want to get moved down to the eight spot. I think I can produce more bottomless on bottom side and flip the lineup. That's when you, you really kind of tweak your lineup and you don't really want to mess with certain guys that had this philosophy in the second two, three or four holes And that's a different method of hitting when you're at the top versus the bottom. So I think that's just, that's how you win in today's game. It's that's plain and simple.
0: Yep. No, I totally agree. And, and, you know, the Dodgers do it too. another team, like they're going to put Turner, Freeman, Betts, Muncie, Taylor, Smith every single day. And it's like, you know, and, and, you know, I guess we can switch to the Yankees. Now we went Rays, Red Sox. We'll do Yankees now. And, you know, throughout spring training, Aaron Boone has been putting Josh Donaldson in that leadoff spot Keep him there. If if he's slugging and he's getting on base and he's doing all that, <coughs> excuse me. If he's doing all that, no reason to take him out. He's got a 350 on base. And if it's about speed, LeMayu doesn't steal bases. So if the alternative was LeMayu, so it should stay that way. And then you have Connor Falefa who could lead off, but again, 312 on base last year. But he get he would have led the Yankees in hits and he also steals bases. So what do the Yankees value at the top of the order right now? It's Donaldson and that higher OBP and the pop, um, which makes sense. It's the Yankees style play, which has never worked. But anyway, so the Yankee lineup, it, it's it's comparably better. But I heard this stat the other day. The Yankees last year were top five in baseball in pitching and bottom five in baseball in hitting. So, you know, everyone's like the Yankees are stacked. No, they ain't, man. Like, they they need stuff to go right. And you look at Donaldson, like, like I said on last pod, he's still a top five third baseman. I have no problem with Josh Donaldson. I'm not really even worried about him. I'm not worried about Judge. I'm not worried about Stanton. I know what those guys are going to do. But virtually everyone else on the roster, it, you kind of have to do some gymnastics in your head and be like, hey, how is this going to work out? What do these guys have to do for this team to make the playoffs? Because this division is tougher. Um so yeah, I mean Rizzo in the 3 hole last year 248 22 home runs 61 RBIs in 496 at bats. If he's going to be hitting third for the Yankees, that those RBIs need to go up. Uh, now he was, you know, he had covid at the end of the year and that that definitely helped uh, negatively affected him in that final month because when he got to the Yankees he was raking. But we'll see with him if he goes out there and hits 25 home runs and drives in 75 and hits 260 with a good obp that's all the yankees need him to do um but LeMayu, last year was it the injury or is he really a 268 hitter with no pop now uh you know with a low obp joey gallo came to the yankees last year hit under 200 struck out a lot but we know what he can do he hit 38 home runs last year still if he can raise that uh, average up 20 points people will view him as a much different player because he want a gold glove and his OBP was 380, uh, But then the question marks come in, the Yankees are not going to get offense out of center field with Hicks. They're hoping that he just walks a lot and they hope that maybe he can get his power back, but he's been injured for basically four years now. And, and I just don't see that happening. Um, they're doing this weird rotation of who's going to play every day. Is it going to be Hicks, Glaber, Lemayhu. which two out of the three are, are, are going to play, you know, Glaber had a bad year last year, Higashioka, uh you know i think he's a little underrated he he has 20 home runs in 400 career plate appearances over a spread out period of time so i think with his defensive value and if he hits anywhere close to sanchez with the power he's way better option than sanchez the yankees are done clearly they also traded for jose trevino as a backup catcher they're done with the non-defense at the catcher position They know that they need that. Gary Sanchez was the exact opposite of that. And so if you're telling me, you know, Higashioka is a hole at offense, Gary Sanchez had 73 hits last year. That's a hole on offense. He's good for 25 pitches a year, and those are his home run pitches. That's it. Every other thing is is strikeout, and that's 50 other hits a year. Not a good player. Um, So I'm not that mad about the Higashioka thing. But as far as the shortstop thing goes, and I'll ask you this, Steve, the Yankees are basically saying we're, we're going to bring in Connor for, for defense and steals and all this stuff, but he's a stopgap for the prospects, and that's why we didn't go after free agents. So the Yankees are basically saying the prospects have to be better once they come up than any of these free agent shortstops, and that, that's a big thing. And, and you know that's kind of a, an inaccurate argument in some ways, because like even if they're not those free agents... They're going to be making 30 million less dollars than those free agents. So anything close to them will also be a win. But it's also a reach for the Yankee. They have to hope that these shortstop prospects are good. Um, so that's my diatribe on the Yankees. And you could take it any way you want.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think their biggest thing in, in their lineup is, can they perform at that high level, which they're capable of? And we say it every single year. It's... Can Aaron Judge be consistent through 162-game season? Can he stay healthy? Can and he was last year. Healthy?
0: He's got to do it again.
1: Can Stan stay healthy? Can Joey Gallo not be the strikeout machine he's been in years past? Because, like you mentioned, if he can raise that average up 25, 30 points, that's a stretch, but I would say 20 points th- is the perfect number, like you mentioned. Then he people perceive him as a different hitter. They approach him differently. They're not going to continually pound him outside and make him go make him not try to pull the baseball. And now you look at the bottom half of the lineup, which kind of concerns me. It's the Higashioka's, the Kiner-Falefas of the world, where that backside of the lineup, how are you going to be able to flip it back over to Donaldson, Judge, Rizzo? And I think if Falefa and Higashioka can can hold their weight and be kind of a force at the bottom half of the lineup, get on base, work at-bats, flip the lineup, this Yankee lineup can be dangerous. But... You look at, there's some question marks with the Torres and the Hickses as well. So you go through six through nine, what's it going to look like in the bottom half? Because one through one through four and five doesn't concern me. They will pull their weight. It's For Torres, it's a show me year. It's really, hey, are you going to perform at the high level or we're going to go a different direction? Because his defense hasn't been great as, as of late. He has his moments out there where he's fielding three or four errors in a game. And then he's not producing at the plate. You can't have it both ways. Where I'm not hitting and I'm not playing good defense. So I mentioned it to show me here for Torres and for Kiner-Falefa. So I think it's a it's a trust fall for the Yankees. Where if he can hold his own, bat two fifty two sixty, play great defense, and beat that gap for those prospects, I think it's a great thing the Yankees are doing. I think you hold that faith in your system yep. that we have help coming. And we mentioned it last podcast where don't go out and sell out and sell your prospects for a guy that you're going to get for as a rental for a couple of years. And he goes in another direction. I think it's awesome with the Yankee student because you have that young core, bring up a young prospect. That's going to be your future for the next, let's say 10 years. That's a stretch, but a 10 year window, we know this guy's going to be our future shortstop, second baseman, whatever it is. And he's going to be that guy for us. And you add him into a lineup that's already keen and with a ton of superstar potential. So I always say with the Yankees, they're dangerous with what they can be. They have the names, they have the flash to them. It's just piecing it together and staying healthy. That's just their, that's their biggest is themselves. Is yep. they beat themselves. They don't seem to have fun on the baseball field. All the pressure <laughs> kind of mounts. And they're like, kind of just it it kind of landlocks them in a way. So I think if they just kind of take it back, that kind of even keel mindset, hey, we're good enough. We can play with anybody out there. Let's just go out there and do it, man. Just fuck it. Let's go out there and do it and show them that we can perform at a high level because that's a team that can win 100 games and go to a, a championship series. It's can it be produced on the field? So like I mentioned, there's a couple question marks I have there, but Higashioka plays a good he plays a good catching position. He can hit his weight. Hey, I seven think- home
0: runs in spring training.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if he can if he can mount that and continue that throughout the regular season, I think you have a good you have a good catcher back there. I think it it's a not an upgrade from Sanchez at, at the defensive position, but I think at the plate, well, well uh,
0: defensive it is, but offensive maybe not. Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah. you know, I'm not concerned with this lineup because there's a ton of money there. They have the mindset to do it. Um, I look at the pitching, that could be the, the kind of deciding factor for where New York ends up this year. Yeah. Garrett Cole, does he, is he still the dominant Garrett Cole we've seen the last three years? Uh, Jordan Montgomery, he's had flashes of he can be the guy out there. He has a great two three starts, and then he takes kind of a step back. The walks have hurt him. The Leaving his fastball up in the zone, his off speed gets left up, and he gets exposed. Um, Severino, Cortez, and Tyone, if they can have good years, be 500 pitchers a little bit above 500, they'll be in great hands. So yeah, it's a good baseball team. It stacks up well with the division. They, they're, I think, a step up above the Rays in the pitching department with consistency. They're a step above the Rays in the hitting department with consistency as well. And I think they can stack up with the Red Sox. The Red Sox are their, their Achilles heel as of late. Yep. Um, it's just can you just produce at the times when it matters so I think they're in great hands I think Aaron Boone's it's a show me year for him as well he's been on like a shopping block for a long time now and I think he's got this team in the right mindset and just go and have fun out there
0: yeah and you know about that part about not having fun last year it seems like a different group um you know Aaron Boone's been talking about it and you know these are little perceptive things obviously because I watch all this stuff all the interviews and and you know in years past aaron boone I, i've gotten on him for being you know the casual you know like oh yeah you know judgy had a great day and uh, blah 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 even if they lost and this year it's it's his tone's totally different i've heard him do interviews he's like the guys are focused we're ready for the season like there's it's almost like a total 180 on the tone of aaron boone and he said josh donaldson's help with that uh you know rizzo and sprint like dude donaldson like just him changes everything.
1: He is a no, he doesn't take any shit. I was reading a report, one spring training game, they lost. And, you know, you don't take spring training L's, you know, to heart. But he, did, he takes those, he wants to win at all costs. He's been on teams where they've made the playoffs. They've made deep runs. He wants to win that championship. He wants to be there for his guys and himself personally. He, one spring training game, they lost, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. He didn't even shower. He threw his shit in the locker room. He chewed all the guys out, and he goes, this isn't acceptable. This isn't the standard we're going to be held to. We have to be better. He got up and left, didn't talk to the reporters, just left the complex, came back the next day. And yep. that is a leadership tool that this team needs. goes, this isn't acceptable. We're playing in a market where it's win now, or we're all going to be gone. We're not going to have jobs. We're going to be in different places. <laughs> we're not going to win. And so I think having that voice in the locker room that tells you, to be accountable, to hold to one another to a high standard, and have fun, but have that fine line of this is who we are and we're the New York Yankees and we have to win. And we have to produce. It's been so long. We have to put that product out there for our fans. And like I said, most importantly, for themselves to go out there and really deliver the share for them.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. So Toronto Blue Jays as well. Uh, to me, they haven't won the division. They didn't make the playoffs. They were the only team that we've talked about that didn't but I think they're the best out of the four. Uh, I just, I look at that rotation. You give me Barrios, Gosman, Ryu, Kikuchi, and Manoa. And then you look at that, that lineup and every hitter in that lineup is a stud. They did just trade Randall Grichuk, but it's honestly kind of a, for a reason. They don't have a lot of lefty bats. That's their one issue. If you had to pick apart one thing, they don't have like that lefty bat in the middle of the order. Ram- Ramel Tapia isn't that guy either. But he's a lefty contact type of slap hitter. Um, we do know that George Springer, with his health issues, doesn't play center field every day. So that's what Toppy is there for. But I love their lineup. I love their pitching. I I I really like. I, I don't even see room for failure here. Unless the only way is if Kevin Gosman's twenty twenty one was a fluke, um, and, and he's just kind of what he used to be, and then you don't have that ace but I'm pretty confident in what Gosman did last year for the Giants. They gave him that contract. They went with him over the guy that got them the Cy Young, which tells you something. I, I'm very confident in this Blue Jay team.
1: Yeah, I, I, they're they're the pretty boy of the league this year, which I say you have to be careful with to a certain regard, um, to a certain extent, that is. that There's a lot of hype, and do you take it as a team you don't listen to the outside noise? You just focus on what you have on the field. Um, I'm weary of the Blue Jays. I know they can exceed expectations. I know they had a great run at the end of the year last year, missed it by a game. But I think you have to really rely on your lineup in your guys like Guerrero, Her- Hernandez, Bichette. George Springer had a, a great second half of the year last year. Can he produce a full season this year? Can he not go through those lulls that he did last year? And you have guys like Biggio, you added Matt Chapman. Um, you have key players like um, Loris Guriel Jr. And that can produce a ton of RBIs for you and be that catalyst for other guys in that lineup. But I'm a little careful with the Blue Jays. I kind of did some deep diving with them. It's like I know there's a lot of hype there, but there is potential for them to not get exposed, but Pitch around them and find the holes. Like you said, there's no left-handed bats there in that lineup. So how do we pitch to the? How do we pitch against their strengths to beat this team? And they're by no means am I saying that they're not going to go win a hundred games this year. But I'm just careful with being on the hype train every year. There's always that one team that's projected to go to the World Series, beat this great team, and they fall short of expectations. And I think that goes hand in hand with their pitching. Is Kevin Gausman going to be the guy he was in, in San Francisco? Is Barrios going to be, is he going to be your true number one? And then you have Ryu, Manoa, and Kikuchi at the bottom half of that rotation. So if they can get the pitching that complements their hitting, I think they're, by every stretch of the way, they can be a 100-win team and be this dark horse that just goes and runs through the league. But there, it's it's up, they have ebbs and flows in the season. So you have to be careful with what, everyone's throwing out there that they're this unbeatable team, because once this team's handed that dose of adversity, how do they take it? Do they run with it and kind of go through that stretch or do they just kind of just, do they crumble under that pressure? But I don't see that happening. They're a young core that's in their second, third years now that they're kind of finding their form and Guerrero junior dropped the weight guy looks outstanding this spring. And I think he's going to be a key vital piece in this blue Jays uh, lineup.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's fair what you're saying, too. We can't just call them the division champs or automatically in the playoffs because, you know, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I'll just take you through what that these guys did last year. Bo Bichette, 298, 29, and 102. Vlad Jr., 311, 48, and 111. Tiosca Hernandez, 296, 32, and 116. Robbie Ray, Cy Young, and they missed the playoffs. So it's like they did. Any everything you could have possibly asked out of those four hitters and out of Robbie Ray, they did and they still missed. So like there there's definitely room for failure here.
1: Yeah, for sure. And what what happens after you've been held to such a high standard, these young kids like Guerrero, Bichette, Biggio had great years. They've had phenomenal couple of few years to start the, in their careers. Now, if that drops off a little bit, how do they respond like I mentioned? so. There is, there is a level for concern with the, with the Blue Jays, but they, here's what is their strength is they come at you in waves in every game. Every day they throw that same lineup out there and they go, try to beat us, try to beat us in a, in a four-game series. We're going to take two, at least two games or we might take three. We could even sweep you guys. But in a, in a nine-inning nine game, this is what I've noticed from watching them a ton last year because they were one of the most fun teams to watch is, They'll figure out, the, you may you may figure them out the first time around the lineup, but second, third, fourth time around, they are so hard to pitch to, and that's what makes them so deadly in every single game you play is they come at you in waves, they score a ton of runs, and they get just enough pitching to win those ballgames. So they're a, a lineup that you can't take a breath with. It seems like every guy in there can hit 250, 300, and that's what makes this team so dangerous. So if they can keep themselves to that standard, they're, by no, by every means, a dangerous team, this American League.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and, and uh, we'll see how they do. So let's move on to the White Sox now. Um, they're lucky that they're in the AL Central, not because I think they're a bad team, but because they're going to be starting out this year with some injury issues. Garrett Crochet, uh, just I believe he's missing the entire season with an arm injury, which is a major loss for them. But Lance Lynn, he's going to be out for the first month So they signed Johnny Cueto to a minor league deal. So that rotation opening the year is probably going to be Giolito, Dylan Cease, Keichel, Kopech, and Johnny Cueto or Vince Velasquez, Reynaldo Lopez as well. They have those guys as well. And then that bullpen, they added Kendall Graveman. They have Aaron Bummer, Liam, Liam Hendricks, Joe Kelly. So they still have some guys out there that can throw, even after the recent move of A.J. Pollock being acquired in exchange for Craig Kimbrell. Excuse me. Which I didn't think. I, I think if they had known about the crochet injury, which they probably did, maybe or maybe not, they would have made that move and gotten rid of Kimbler too. Because now you're down two relievers, but you know Graveman helps, um, and they needed they needed a right fielder more than they needed an extra bullpen arm. So I really like the AJ Pollock move. They can throw him out and right. It allows Gavin Sheets or Eloy Jimenez to DH. Um, Andrew Vaughn doesn't have as prominent of a role. And Adam Engel goes to more of a bench roll. So I, I like the depth move with Pollock. And he's underrated too. Last year, 297, 21 home runs, 69 RBI. So this is no schlub. And he's probably going to hit like six, seven, eight in the order. The rest of that lineup, though, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Yasmani Grandal, Joan Moncada, they've got some boys. They're going to hit. When Lancelin gets back a month and a half, two months in the season, you're going to have. Three, four starters that you're really confident in. That bullpen, you got Liam Hendricks, Kendall Grayman, Bummer, Joe Kelly. These guys, uh, they're they're in prime position to win this year.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, last year, a good 93 win season. Um, granted, they were in a, a weaker division um, in the grand scheme of things, but uh, they're set for a deep run. The, the, this team is built, they have the depth, um, their rotation's good enough with that one, two, three punch with Lance Lynn, Giolito. Um, you know, Dallas, Keiko, Kopech, and Dylan Sees. but there's some, there's three questions that, that kind of surround this White Sox team. It's, can the lineup stay fully healthy? They battled all injuries all season long last year, and they were still able to muster up 93 wins, which is hats off to them. It showed their tenacity there. They were able to handle that adversity. Um, one thing is too, is how does How does Kopech fare? you know, in this rotation? And yeah. He was a reliever. Five, you know, he had a, 3.5 ERA in 69 innings pitched last year, 103 strikeouts um, to 24 walks. Um, for, for the White Sox, the best case scenario is him come out and just come lights a fire and just be build some confidence early on and get some stability in that rotation and really kind of mold into that, into that one through five. And if he can come in and be a good starter for them, I think this White Sox team, uh, it, it – brings them to another level. And then the third one is, how do they fare come October when they get yep. there? Because I think they will make the playoffs. I think it's a 95% chance that they make it, barring something catastrophic happens. You know, last year they were faced up against a great Astros team that could hit the, hit the baseball. And their one, two, three punch in Giolito. Uh, where is that? Uh, Giolito, Keuchel, and... Cease. Cease. They both, or no, Gilito Lancelin and Rodon last year, oh yeah, uh, yeah didn't yeah. make didn't make that series competitive. They got just picked apart, and everyone thought, oh, this White Sox team was going to be the team that goes to the championship series, and it's going to be that team because they're they have that depth, they have the pitching on paper, but the Astros picked them apart. They found their they found some liabilities in that rotation, and they got to their bullpen early in that series and they were able to really just dissect them um, every which way. And that's the only kind of question that surrounds them is how do they fare come, come post because they have the tools the trade to make it and get a deep run. It's just, you have to play when it co- come October, we all know it's a different game and all these guys have the ability. It's just f- fine tuning that ability come, come October.
0: Yeah, and we talk about it all the time with hockey is that sometimes you might need that first playoff loss to get you to know what it takes to win. And they they have that now as a young group with some veteran leadership, with a World Series champion and AJ Pollock coming on board. And I, I see some good things for them this year. They're going to win that division by a long shot. Like we talked about the Tigers, they're going to be more competitive, though. The Guardians just locked up the Guardians uh, just locked up Jose Ramirez to a five year uh, extension, which. I just tweeted out today. I think he was underpaid a little bit, point eight a year for a guy like that, that was just ranked number one as a third baseman by MLB Network. I feel like he could have went somewhere else and gotten a bigger bag, but good for him. You know, it's it, and I, I said in the tweet, it's particularly endearing that he's staying with his team after Freeman leaves the Braves, staying loyal to the team. I never have a problem with that, but at the same time, your team, you really got to help hope that young guys come up over the next few years. And bring you back to where you were or else it's going to be a long five years for him but you know the twins they get a little bit better you know with you know offensively they've always been there which is like oh they brought in correa how could you say a little bit better they don't have pitching so i don't really worry about them but the royals bobby witt jr is going to make the opening day roster that's going to be a ton of fun out in that division zach granke back in kc to mentor those young pitchers so those team you know they're, they're all developing they're all getting better but they're no threat to the White Sox. And so it's kind of how the division is going to go.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, all those teams have potential. Um, that's down the road. Um, I would say the guardians are the one team that, you know, obviously you have pieces there, but it's all, do you have young guys that can come and help throughout the season? Um, you know, Ramirez staying there, hats up to him. He got his money. He got paid, but staying loyal to, to his home team and well, home team as of, you know, the last few years and, Staying in there, trying to build that championship team again um, to try to get back to the World Series, um, which, you know, it seems like it would take a ton to get back there. But teams like the Tigers got better. Twins got better um, in regards to where they were last year. And the Royals, um, I would say they're a 500 team at best. Um, Bobby, be what's going
0: to be fun, though? Have you yeah, seen this side to side with Trout? It's like the same swing?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they've they've got guys in the system, and in that rotation and that lineup that can can muster up some good things for them. It's just can you consistently build that and create those stepping stones year by year and finally get to that, you know, that winning high caliber level. So there's no one that I think can contend with this White Sox team. They're just too deep up top. Um, I think you'll have a few teams that can can play with them, like the Royals and and the Tigers, but just not nearly at the level of winning 90 plus games to, to really dethrone um, your, your, your defending division champs. So right um, this division has always been weak. It's one we, uh, we kind of give a hard time with all the time, just because there's always that one team, whether it be the, uh, how about the Indians, the guardians, or it's the white Sox. It's always that one team that is set up for success, success in that given year. And then everyone else kind of falls in line or the, the twins that those two years, where they were winning a hundred games. And then, they fall flat in their face come October. So, it's always and that—that's uh,
0: always the pattern too. It's they dominate the central and fall flat in the playoffs every year in the in that division.
1: And I think that's the caveat of of that division. It's because they're playing in a weaker division. They're not playing those high caliber teams like the NL West or uh, the AL East is playing, where you have 20, sixty games out of your schedule that are just. Pure playoff games, and you're you're ready come postseason because you've been playing those games throughout the year. Versus the Central, okay, we have a, a series against the the Guardians this weekend. They are 20 games under 500. You're gonna get a uh, you're gonna win two out of three. You're gonna you're gonna sweep them. So you're really your mind isn't in the right place um come postseason where everything is such high intensity. So that's kind of the knock on this division that it's been the last you know five to ten years.
0: Yep. All right, let's move on to the AL West. Not gonna talk about the A's, not gonna do it. Sad, really is. Uh, but we have the Angels out there that I, you know, listen, I, I really like the uh, what they're doing out there. Trout's back. I think Rendon's gonna have a mega bounce back year. Um, Otani is gonna be obviously number one pitcher. He's gonna be able to DH now and stay in the lineup when he pitches, which is a new rule, which is tremendous. Jared Walsh had a good year at first base. Joe Adele, when they sent him down last year, he started to tear up the minor leagues. He's never done it at the major league level. I feel like this is the year where go get him, Joe Adele. Let's do it. You have a starting role out there with Justin Upton being DFA'd. Max Stassi, low-key catcher back there. He can hit back there uh, for, for the Angels. And then they had Noah Syndergaard. They have a few young starters. And that bullpen, if you go by analytics – It's projected to be the best bullpen in the division. So I look at the Angels, and and I'm going to go bold here before we give our playoff picks for the AL. I think they're going to be one of the three wild cards. I think this is the year for it. And I just thought about it. I'm like, when you got set that extra team, and I think the Rays have fallen off a little bit. And I I just said this with the – I went team by team. I'm like, Trout, Rendon, Otani. And it's like, the Rays don't match that you know, uh, the, the White Sox don't even match that with a top three, I would say. Like no, but nobody equals that top three because they have the number one and number two in the league, according to Major League Baseball. It's just always the rest of the team. And how can we put the whole other thing together? But Cindergaard will help. Patrick Sandoval, lefty young guy in that rotation. If you can just get three starters and you get those four or five bats rolling, they could really slip in. And I even think – you know, the Mariners are getting all the hype with the winker trade and, and all and Robbie Ray, but they m- massively overperformed last year. Like they were projected for 78 wins and they ended up with 90 and they had a bunch of one-run wins. So it was it was a lot of maybe fluky stuff with the Mariners. I think the Angels have the highest ceiling in this division, and I think they will be one of the wild card teams.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's always pitching that that's being in their biggest question mark is they're able to score runs. They put a good product on the field, but I think going out and getting Noah Syndergaard, um, if he can stay healthy he's coming over from the Mets, he seems to be hurt every single year along with the Grom over there. And he, he's finally changed a little change of scenery, I think might help him and go a long way. So having a guy that can eat up some innings up there with, uh, with Otani um, health is, a, is an issue with him as well. Can Otani, keep his arm healthy, and stay in that lineup um, for a full slate of games. Um, if they can, that's that's a good one-two punch. And then you have, uh, like you said, Patrick Sandoval in there. Um, that can eat up some innings as, as well. So you have a, a solid one-two-three rotation right there. And then you added a couple guys. Um, I don't know who they want to throw in there yet. They, they have projected Jose Suarez, uh, Michael Lorenzen um, at four and five. Yeah,
0: like Jaime so, Barrias in there, yeah, Jose Suarez. So, how
1: they want to pick apart that um that's up to their discretion but i think you can't go wrong with what you have um you have some arms in there and then you like you mentioned that one two three in that lineup you have otani trout rendon um then you throw in some great utility players like jared walsh um and then you have david fletcher tyler Wade at the bottom projected um guys that can piece together matt duffy steve Matt Duffy's in there. That's <laughs> yeah, another guy. He can he can work some counts. Yeah. And he's a little scrappy player, so um, a little grit to this Angels lineup. Um, they're a team that's just I think ready and just itching to get to the postseason. It's it's a great talented team. I want to see Trout play meaningful baseball. I say it every single year. I feel like so redundant making that statement, but people, Major League Baseball wants to see him play in a full. ALDS, ALCS series and see what he's capable of um, come October. And I mean, it's been 10 years. He's 30 years old. Exactly. And I think we've made this, you know, kind of assumption: is if he doesn't make it the postseason the next few years with this team, I think he, he will want out because he's hasn't had the opportunity to go showcase his ability um, at the highest level. So um, I like this angels team. I think they're always a, a ball club. That's, Right in the mix. It's just that one lapse of the season that kind of really sets them back, and they are not able to capture that wild card berth. But I think they're up there. They they, they have the ability and the, and the talent to to compete for a wild card spot. um I don't know. Not so much the division. The Astros will I think take that crown again, but yeah, they they will be able to compete with uh with the top tier teams um, in that division as well as the American League.
0: Yeah, and, and you know the Astros will switch to them now too. You know, I look at them. They lost Correa, obviously, but Jeremy Pena, they're very high on 24 year old shortstop prospect, six foot, 179 pounds. So we'll see what he can do. They're not, he's not going to be Correa. There's no replacing Correa. They're just going to do what they do, but they still got Brantley, Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Yuri Guriel, Kyle Tucker had a tremendous season last year. He might be the best hitter in that lineup. If you really dig deep because Bregman had a down year last year so, um, that pitching staff, you know, last year we were looking at it, and that was our main concern. Now it's not. They got Verlander back. Now that now that Verlander's back, like, when he starts a season, he usually doesn't get injured. So, like, I'm not really concerned with it. Tommy John was, like, one of those big things. But he's had such a long career. I'm not really concerned with that. But Fromber Valdez or Quiddy, Luis Garcia, Odorizzi, they've got starters really, like, there's not really much else to say about them. So I think division, we both pretty much agree there. The Astros of the division, but we move on to the Mariners here. And they're, they're questionable to me because you, you look around that, that diamond and it's like, again, it's a lot like the Tigers to me to where one through nine, there's guys now. And, and they also have a rotation. They've also got bullpen guys. But, you know, Winker's the only guy in that lineup, at least right now that you go, oh, crap, you know, we're scared of him. But everybody else, you know, Mitch Haniger last year. Well, actually, Mitch Haniger is one of those guys, too. 39 home runs, 100 RBIs last year. But other than that, Kelenic, he's coming into his own. Eugenio Suarez, he may have hit 30 home runs, but he hit 198. JP Crawford, not really a power guy. Adam Frazier, when he went to the American League, started to struggle. He, he was great. Uh, excuse me, when he went uh, to the Padres, he started to struggle, but he hit 305 overall last year. So they they still need some stuff to happen. I think again, like, you know, tie France in the middle there too, 290, 18 bombs. But they need something else. Like, I just don't think France, Winker, Hanager gets it done. They they basically need like Adam Frazier to hit 300 again. They they would need a guy like Julio Rodriguez to come up and really be that type top type of prospect. Kellenick can't be what he was last year or even close. He hit 180. Um, so they need something and and Kyle Lewis is a very underrated player sitting on their bench there who won the rookie of the year but was injured most of last season. So for me it's there's hype there. They they've made some moves. They're making that that trend up, but last year was a hype fest at the end and and like I don't know, man.
1: Yeah, no, I like the I like the Mariners a ton. I was I was looking at my phone there to see kind of where they were at last year and their their trends is they kind of they kind of mold around five hundred, which credit to them because they were a team that people don't really respect. And I kind of briefly touched this last podcast was, um, is they don't have that that flashy look to them. They kind of have this: we're gonna grind games out, we're gonna win it as we're gonna win it at the end, and that's what they did last year. They it was the hype train at the end. They believed in everything they were doing. They had one through nine. Everyone in that clubhouse believed that we can win on a given night, whether we're playing the Yankees, we're playing the Astros, how big of a challenge it was, they were able to conquer that. And unfortunately they just missed it. Like the blue Jays did. They had a great run at the end. They were beating everybody that they were matched up against. They unfortunately just ran out of time. I think if you gave them another week of baseball, I think they squeezed in and I'm a big believer in this team because I want to see different teams in the postseason, like the angels, like the Mariners in this AL West has been dominated by the Astros for the last five, six years plus. Not just that,
0: but the American league goes through the Astros last since 2017.
1: Exactly. So they've been a thorn in everyone's side now, granted the cheating scandal, whatever has been happening there. won't get into that. I'm, I'm over that, but some things there that have, I think limited teams to overtaking them, but I think they did a great job, a phenomenal job, in going out and getting Robbie Ray. You have a phenomenal number one guy now. Can he replicate his Cy Young year from last year? If he is, great. That's a great addition for them. Um, now you look down two and three, they have Logan Gilbert slotted at, at the second spot, uh, Marco Gonzalez as their number three. Both projected to be 500 pitchers this year, but that's all projections-based. Yeah, like um, Gilbert's
0: young. He could do a lot better.
1: Yeah. So they have a ton of untapped potential. They're trending upwards, like you mentioned in a great way. And it's just, do they have the same belief as they did last year? If they kind of had that same mantra of, Hey, we, we don't care who we play. We're going to grind games out. I think this team is going to be dangerous to play. Not, you can't overlook them based on what their face value is. Yeah. Um, And so they, they have everything that you need to, to have success and be a wildcard team. So um, I love the Mariners team. I want to see them in. It's been so long. Their fans are dying for uh, a playoff berth. And it's just a tough division. It's, they, they beat each other up, just kind of like the AL East does. Um, you have the Astros, Mariners, Angels. It's just a gauntlet kind of out there. Um, an unfamiliar sight is the A's being so bad. Sad to see. Um, they're going to get beat up. So some free wins there for some ball clubs um, in this division. So uh, they, they automatically slide up in that division just because the A's are just so bad this year. So I think they'll be able to compete at a high level and it's just staying consistent, stay healthy, and, and kind of have that same, you know, you know, who cares mindset this year.
0: Yeah. And, and respect to Texas too. They had a nice off season, but they're not there yet either with, with the other three, you know, Seager semi and John Gray's nice, but also in that Mariners rotation, Chris Flexen last year, 180 innings, 3.61 ERA. And if you take some of his clunker starts out his ERA goes, Uh, uh, significantly down too. So he could be a great middle of the rotation righty there for them too. Um, And and here's a question for you, and and we can kind of segue into our AL playoff predictions. Do you like the Mariners roster or the Rays roster more?
1: Ooh. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's more, I think. God, that's a tough one. I would say right now, not even being a homer bias, I would say I would take the Rays just okay. because of their body of work the last few years. I think they have guys that have done it. They don't mind kind of getting tweaked around and that Kevin Cash kind of knows how to push the buttons at the right time. I think the Mariners have that ability to, to do what the Rays do on a night-in, night-out night night basis. We saw that last year in the last quarter of the season where they were just on a tear. Now you have guys like J.P. Crawford at the bottom. You have Adam Frazier, Ty France, Jesse Winker, Mitch Haniger. There's glimpses in that lineup where they can be superstars and be those guys. I just show me again. If they can show me they can do it again for a, a longer duration, I think they're right up there with the Tampa Bay Rays. It's just can they muster that consistency that they've been lacking the last few years that has kind of kept them out of that postseason. So as of right now, I would still take the Rays because – they're just one of those teams that doesn't mind that, you know, hey, we have a, a lesser payroll and, you know, we don't, they don't mind that, that kind of mantra. So it's close. It's, it's, it's very tight.
0: It's really tight. And, and, you know, like I would say, I'd take Franco a Rosarena Lau over Winker and whoever you would want to call two and three for, for the Mariners. Like that's the problem with Seattle to me is that Winker, is the only guy right now that you're like okay and Hanegar too but that are like okay they're they're superstar potential everyone else kind of has to get there but at the same time i almost would rather take the periphery for seattle over tampa like i'd rather have suarez over yandy diaz i'd rather have ty france than Choi. i'd probably rather have well you know uh what's his face uh the catcher for the rays Zanino average is He's a lot like Gary Sanchez. So it's like, what do I prefer? Low average, high power, or what the Mariners have, which is more of like traditional catcher. Um, And then shortstop, obviously Franco. And then like, you know, center field, Kellenick or Kiermaier. I like Kellenick's potential over Kiermaier and then like Julio Rodriguez or, or the left fielder for the Rays. I think I'd rather take Julio. So it's like, it's so close and the Mariners rotation, I think, they have a number one and the Rays don't. And I think their two, three, four right now look better than the Rays do. But again, like you said, the Rays have the body of work. They've been there, done that before. Kevin Cash has been there, done that with the system before. So it's really tough. But either way, I think both miss the playoffs. And I guess I'll give my my playoff predictions now. I think you're going to get Yankees, not in, in well, in the order, Red Sox, Yankees, Angels, and seating in the in the wild card i think you're going to get those three the yankees are going to it's going to be like by a game uh and and i think for the yankees just being completely honest they're either going to get the what they have no chance for the division in my opinion i don't think they're going to win the division they're either going to get the wild card or they're going to miss the playoffs and not just miss Mm -hmm. the playoffs but i think if the yankees miss it it's going to be by a lot because this team's either going to be everything's going to hit or it's gonna go and 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 catch on fire because there's a lot of failure room for the Yankees. Like they're more boomer bust to me than the Red Sox are because at least the Red Sox, you could say they're getting Sale back, you could say they're getting Paxton. Although Paxton was terrible last year, but they can make those trades. Again, they have six in their order. You know what they're gonna get. They beat the Yankees in the playoffs last year. So who am I to say that the Yankees have somehow leaped them in any way? So yeah, that. That's how I would give it. And then the Blue Jays will win the division. Excuse me. And then White Sox, Astros, Mariners, and Rays, they're going to miss by like a game or two.
1: Gotcha. And there's three wild cards this year, correct, right? Yeah. Yeah. Changed, yeah. Uh, extra slots. So that changes a lot of things too as well. So fringe teams like the Mariners, Angels, I think it gives them the upper, a better chance, I should say, to make the postseason. Um, I'll go through my division winners. Um, I think – I will give the Yankees the benefit of the doubt this year. I think with the mindset, oh. the hype train of the Blue Jays, um, I think the Yankees win the division. I think they figured it out this year. I, like I said, it's a show me year. Um, I think they added some veteran leadership in Donaldson. Um, so I will. They are my um, American League East winners. Uh, Central, the White Sox. Obviously, I don't think anyone can compete with them. Um, over in the West, Astros are still the the standard in that division. So, uh, those are my three division winners. I think the Rays still make the wild card. I, I mean, I'm I'm very pe- not pessimistic, but I'm very cautious of what I think of this team this year. If it all goes right and they are able to sustain that piecework, I think they make the wild card. Um, I think the Angels do make it. Okay. And I do think the Blue Jays are a wild card team as well. So. Um, I think you're going to get 3 teams out of the American League East again. I think it's the best division in baseball. Um, now so what you had Rays or Red Sox. I had Rays. Rays, Los okay, okay. Angels in the in my wild card picks. Okay. Now this could all change. I you know we'll do our quarter of the way kind of where we're standing. Um, 25, 30 games in. And you know, we'll see. I think the the Angels have what it takes to make it, but I think this division in the American League East can pull three teams out of there. I think the Blue Jays are a great team, but I think the hype is what will be the ultimate demise of them. They'll they'll be a 90-win team plus, but I still think they're going to be slotted into a wild card position.
0: Yeah. All right. Hey, so we differ on that one spot. I have Red Sox. You have Rays. We both have the Mariners missing. Um, I'd love them to shock us. It would be great. Um, and, and other than that, we're the same. So we have been on for a while. So what I'm probably going to do, I'm either going to call this Mega opening day pod, or we're going to split it into AL and NL. We have the NL as well, and we're going to do a little quicker as well. Um, so we'll start with the NL East. we got the Mets, Phillies, Braves. All respect to the Marlins. They added Soler um, and some other guys. They're not there yet. That Their pitching is young and has a lot of potential. Sandy Alcantara is a beast. Pablo Lopez, Trevor Rogers, those are good pitchers. But in that division, if they were in the AL Central, be a lot different. NL East is going to be a little too tough for them. Same thing with the Nationals. The Nationals are just in pure rebuild mode. Nelson Cruz is going to be traded in July. You know, that's their situation. And Adiel wanted me to say that Juan Soto will be the NL MVP on a last place team. Um, so there you go. But then, so the top three NL East teams are the Braves, Phillies, and Mets in no particular order. The Braves won the division last year, they won the championship last year. And I think they got better. We've talked about it. We, we, we went over their offseason when we talked about Matt Olson on the last pod. Um, so, if you look at that rotation, especially when Soroka gets back, they're going to have five, six guys. They bring in Kenley Jansen to the bullpen. You have Will Smith out there, Minter, all those guys that won you the championship. Darren O'Day brought in Kirby Yates. When he's healthy, he's on the IL for them. They sign him to a deal. And then again, you know, Olson for Freeman, you're getting Acuna back. Ozuna, uh, you know, you can talk crap on him. He might be a, a, a bad guy, but he might come in and hit 25, 30 bombs again for them. So, um, this Braves team, I think they're the division champs. They're the strongest team. They're the most consistent team. And to me, they have the least question marks. I don't look around that field and say, What am I going to get here? What am I going to get there? Like I do with the Mets and Phillies. I, I know what I'm going to get. The Braves are going to win this division.
1: Oh, yeah, hands down. I think consistency that they have um bringing back virtually everybody from that championship team you're not missing a beat and I think you add Olsen at first pace to your you lost Freddie Freeman but you added a guy that's younger has a lot of upside who's had a great spring training so far and this team's gonna be scary uh, just flat out looking at their their lineup one through nine Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Ozuna Rosario, Duval, Arcia, Cunha, Swanson. You look at all those names and you're like, who do you, who do you pitch around? It's like, how do you attack that lineup night in and night out? And then you go to the flip side to the rotation, you're bringing Charlie Morton back, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, who I thought had a phenomenal year last year, had some ups and downs in the postseason, but still figured it out. Um, You have Yanoa and Kyle Wright in the fifth spot. Now, Who's everyone forgetting? Soroka. That guy's going to be slotted back in at some point. Um, hopefully everything goes good um, with the rehab there. Um, and another, obviously, unfortunately, he ruptured his Achilles again. But if they can get him back to the form he was in before he he got injured, man, this Braves team has not only just legit aspirations to, to win the division, to go back and defend their title and repeat as, as World Series champions again. So um, a ton of RBIs. Um, a ton of innings that you have in that rotation, man, this Braves team, they'll be fun to watch again. And um, a team that I think I, I can't hate them. I, that's my, uh, if it wasn't the Rays, the, the Braves are my team after, after Tampa. So they're going to be fun to watch. And um, I think they're the only people that could beat them is, is themselves is just kind of overlooking um, their opponents and just really not playing up to their potential is the only way that um, they get beat.
0: The only thing that would have beat them to me is the Mets if they had Degrom healthy, and he's going to be out for the first three months. And you know we could shift to the Mets, and it's like it really. I think if they had Degrom and Scherzer with Bassett and Taiwan Walker and Carlos Carrasco, they would have won. I like I probably would have still picked the Braves, but like the Mets would have been that team. Like it's it's right there, but without Degrom for three months, that takes a lot away from the Mets uh i guess uh, a wow factor you know scherzer is a great replacement is, is the best option probably possible to replace Degrom for three months so if you look at roster from last year to roster to this year in rotation you're still better because bassett is added to the equation so for three months they still will have a better rotation than they had at the end of last year and then when DeCrom comes back buckwell Walt- show walter said it. he's like you want to trade deadline acquisition well it's going to be Jacob DeGrom. This guy's going to come in and be who he is. So they bring in Starling Marte, Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar. This team is offensively more there. They let go of Conforto after a down year, but um, I think they're there offensively. But it's, it's always the thing with the Mets is, are they going to mess it up and, and somehow flop? Because last year they collapsed, the year before that they collapsed, the year before that. So it's, they got to keep it all together for a full year. And already we're seeing the chinks in the armor with the Grom and Scherzer not starting opening day. Oh no, I got to do game two. Cause I got a cramp. You know, that's the only thing that worries me about the Mets.
1: Yeah. The meet the, Mets. Meet the <laughs> Mets. Yeah. It's the, it's the tip. It's one of those teams where I compare them to the Buffalo Sabres of, of hockey. They always have that great start to the season somehow they're like oh the Mets are back they're they're right there and then injury plague and just the downfall of the team that just not only just injuries but they just beat themselves they they just find ways to lose ball games um, late especially that's been uh, kind of their Achilles heel as of late too in previous years is their back into the bullpen has been so bad like you look at guys like Familia that has the talent and the tools to to close you games, and they can't seem to to reel it in. They'll be up four runs, eighth, ninth inning, and they'll lose in the extras. And I think they're a better offensive-minded team now, going out and getting Canna and Starling Marte. But it's the Mets. I have to see it. You have to see it through for me to really believe. And now, like you said, the injuries are already setting in. You have Scherzer that's missing opening day, but he'll, he'll be there game two. With lingering cramp issues, you have Degrom, who could be out for the long term. With, uh, I think, what was it, a shoulder a fracture in his shoulder? Some
0: weird thing. They say it's not structural, but it's in that area.
1: But if that's a throwing shoulder, that's as a pitcher, anything elbow, shoulder related, that is the danger zone. You, you cannot mess with that. Even if he gets back ninety percent, there's a high chance that he can re-injure that. It, that shoulder fairly easily so that's a big that's a big chunk of your rotation that's going to be missing significant time and how are you going to fill a void where a guy that goes out there and 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 can throw you a sub one era at times in the season but you look at his record last year and he was nearly 500 because he had no run support but now you do have a little bit more help in that lineup it's just, I don't know. I I can't be a believer in the Mets until I actually see it because they just somehow find a way to beat themselves and just kind of have that one slide in the season that just collapses them.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. It's the New York Mets. It happens to them every year. And, uh, you know, again, like this is the year where you think they're not going to do it. You think that every year, but hopefully this is the year where they're not going to collapse and get into the playoffs. But I'm looking at the phillies now Steve, and, and uh i gotta tell you about this guy his name is bryson stott third baseman for the phillies and that is so odd so i was about to say it what his height and weight was because i'm on mlb the show to help me you know read out these lineups for all of us and the mlb the show game has him at six foot three 300 pounds and i'm like wait a second and then i look at mlb.com it's six three two hundred so uh, quite the miss there by MLB The Show on the height weight. But uh, yeah, six three two hundred. He's going to be – he's a shortstop prospect. But with Bohm's struggle last year, they're going to kind of platoon Stott and Bohm at, at third base. And also, they do have the potential to put Stott at short because Didi Gregorius had his worst career season on both sides of the ball last year, and they're going to need him to be loads better this year than he was last year. But I like what the Phillies did. Schwarber and Castellanos – I mean, what, what else can you say? I mean, those are two impact bats. But the one thing about this Philly team that, that, that I think is going to be a problem is defensively, they ain't that good. You know, Didi Gregorius, like I said, worst season on both sides of the ball. He was not a great defensive shortstop. Gene Segura, Joe Girardi publicly called him out last year for his defense at second base. Uh, Reese Hoskins, you know, uh, not the most agile guy. Um, you know, they're putting this guy, Matt Vierling in center field. He's there for his bat. Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber, we know the story with their defense too. So if I had to say one criticism about the Phillies, it'd be that. But I like that lineup, one through six. Um, I like what Stock can do, maybe extending it to seven deep. And then Nola and Wheeler in that rotation with Ranger Suarez and Kyle Gibson. Upgraded bullpen with Familia in hand. I like it.
1: Yeah, I think they got it significantly better with the shore additions, Nick Castellanos. We know what they can do at the plate. Um, huge additions to the, the run production there. Um, I'm not going to repeat what I said, like, you know, last pod, I went over, you know, what this team has done in previous years where they find, they kind of hit a wall with uh, their run support and their pitching finds ways to, to win them games. And then they're hitting go silent. They're pitching steps up to the plate. They're able to throw you some, some gems, for 10 straight games, and then the hitting goes silent. So they they haven't been able to piece together, um, you know, really cordially for you know, the last few years. That's why they, they've ended up falling short. But I think they found some consistency at the plate here with those two additions. Um, then you have guys like Deion Segura, uh, you know, Bryce Harper's still there. JT Romuto is still in that lineup. So you have protection for guys like Harper, um, Castellanos. Uh, you have Reese Hoskins there in the five holes. So they're a deeper team at the plate. So that I really think will help them going forward um, in aspirations to uh, to really make the postseason.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's move to the NL Central. Oh. That's an easy one. All righty. So we're going to move on to the NL Central now. We had to take a quick little break there. NL Central, we got the – Yeah, it's kind of an easy division. Uh, Pirates are out of it. Reds, what are you doing? And you know what? That's where I'll start here because we were on the Reds hype train in that COVID year and we were so happy about it and they got shut out in the playoffs. First last year, the first waves are leaving this year. They have a team that you're like, they have guys. You could build around these guys. And then they're just like, nope.
1: The, the Reds are imploding drastically. Uh, they they kind of pulled, them and the A's pulled like one of the most underwhelming, disappointing off seasons, I think, that I've seen in recent, you know, in recent memory. They're just unloading a ton of talent there. Uh, ownership doesn't want to win. And like you mentioned, the COVID year, we were all on the hype train. I think, you know, me and my dad, we were talking about, you know, the Reds making a World Series appearance and they had all... They had every piece. They had Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, um, Castillo. Castillo yeah. I mean, they had guys that you're like, wow, if you keep this staff intact, man, this is going to be a, a ball club that can win a ton of games. And if you add a few pieces, you had Nick Castellanos and, and guys in that lineup that could really do some damage. Now it's like you're back to ground zero. And how do you build this team back up? And I think they've dug themselves such a big hold now that, how do you get out of this, you know, how do you get out of the trenches? And it's going to take a ton of time for them to get back to that, you know, that caliber if they ever do. So um, it, it sucks to see uh, they're in the, I think they're in the bottom of the barrel with the pirates now. Um, and it leaves this division to really a three team race, um, you know, and the Cubs really have their question marks too. I think they're, they're not as talented as people think. Um, so really I look at the Cardinals and Brewers back at you know the top tier of this division.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I'm going through the Reds lineup right now. And, like, first of all, with the Castellanos thing, how did they not trade him at the deadline if they knew they were going to lose him? Like, just that's, that, yeah.
1: And that's what you look at, and when you're, and you talk about, you know, the criticism that teams that don't spend the money are facing is that you have guys that are about to, you know, for a fact, backdoor, you know that they're leaving. They're not going to be with you along. You, you don't want to pay them anymore. So why not go out and trade them and get assets and build your team up in return for a guy that just walked out for free? Now he's, you're basically paying him to beat you and, and play against you. So that dynamic makes no sense. You could have got a, a, a heck of a hole for him. Um, maybe not you know a home run trade, but at least a pitcher or an arm or a few prospects and picks that, yeah, you know you have some cap, a draft capital, or some capital that can help you along the road. Now you're left with with a, of a huge void there, with nothing in return.
0: Yeah, and, and like I think that's why they may have traded Winker because they were like, we didn't get any return for Castellanos. Winker's coming off these two years where you could argue he's the best left fielder in baseball. I think he is. I mean, the stats are amazing, and they're just. It, First of all, the trade return was not what it should be. They should have gotten far more for Winker than they did, especially attaching Suarez with him, a guy that can hit 30 home runs in a year. Yeah, he might hit 200 and strike out a lot, but he's going to hit 30 bombs. A lot of teams like that stuff. So, like, you didn't get any value for two starting Major League Baseball players, one of which could be the best at his position. They got Justin Dunn for him, a starting pitcher that is kind of a project. And they got some other prospects that aren't going to hit for a little bit. It's interesting. I don't know. I mean, you, you could look at what they have right now. Nick Senzel had a great spring. He's going to play center field. Jonathan India was fantastic. Joey Votto was good. They still have Mustakis, but Mustakis is nowhere close to what he used to be. Um, and they got Tommy Pham. You could say, you know, Tyler, St- but Tommy Pham had a terrible year and and Tyler Stevenson, You know, he could be a top 10. He had 286, 10 home runs, 45 RBIs, and he's 25. So he's a young, good catcher. There's They're not, like, in the dirt like the Pirates are, where the Pirates, like, you really have to reach. They still have bats. But, like, that's what I'm saying. If they kept even Winker, you could argue that this team could push for the playoffs if they had added a pitcher. They're adding Hunter Green to the rotation, their prospect. there's 104 miles per hour as a starter consistently, so, you know, they could have done something here and they didn't, they still had Sonny Gray and they treated him too. So you could have said three starters with green gray and, 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 uh and Castillo Votto's still there. Winker, India, Stevenson, Senzel and add one more bat. And you're there in a weak division and it's just sad. And I don't know what they're doing. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. There's really no, uh, I mean, there's no philosophy in, into where they want to be. I the, the Reds, you just don't know what they're trying to get accomplished. I mean, I'm looking at their upcoming starters for this year. You have uh, Tyler Molle, uh, I think it's, it's San Martín. Yeah. Year San Martín. Yeah. Vladimir Gutierrez. Hunter Green is obviously has huge upside potential. Um, Mike Miner. And Mike Miner and Nick Lodolo. So yeah, I don't know how they're going to be able to pitch other than. You have a bright spot in Hunter Green that can come up, but he hasn't been – he hasn't played at the highest level yet. So you don't know really what's there yet. The talent, the ability is there. Hard-throwing – he's a hard-throwing guy out there, has sick stuff. But, I mean, that's that's a guy who doesn't have any major league service time. So you look at, at this Reds team, how are they going to be able to pitch? I think their lineup is is okay. They're, they have talent there in Jonathan India. You have Joey Votto still there. Moustakas, Tommy Pham. If you have a bounce back year, Um, and then you have Nick Senzel at number at the nine hole, but there's pieces there. But like you mentioned, you could have traded Castellanos for additional assets to help make this team better in a weak division. Yeah, and kept Winker and
0: Suarez. It's like what the hell? Like it's like
1: yeah, and so now you're just you're kind of left in in no man's land. So unfortunate to see. They're a team that kind of fell from grace from literally not even two years removed. And now it's just rebuild mode and and try to get yourself back up to a competitive ball club again.
0: Yeah. And as a Reds fan, you're thinking Castillo's gone in July. And if and if I'm Votto, I want to get out. He's 36, 37, 38 years old, whatever it is. I, I would want to get out somehow and try and win a championship. But all these championship teams have first baseman too. So it's almost like he's got Nowhere to go as well. So
1: yeah, he's kind of landlocked, which is unfortunate. I think he had a window there of maybe demanding a trade. Maybe he's happy in, in Cincinnati and wants to maybe finish his career out there. But if I was him, you know, your, your, your time is kind of running out and, and go try to chase a championship. So uh, there's no upside here for this team in the near future of, of winning a championship aspirate and winning a championship title. Uh so yeah, I think that's a, a a a key piece that maybe might move. I think you look keep an eye on him this year at the deadline. If there are any if there are any potential suitors, you know injuries do happen. Um, we're well aware of that. So if a team is needing a first baseman come uh, July August, then it, I think he's a guy that definitely uh, would be looking to move. If I'm looking to you know join a championship caliber team to go to go win myself a World Series. Yep. Yep. Let's move on to a team that uh,
0: to me is just so overrated in the St. Louis Cardinals. I know you like them. You, you always like the St. Louis Cardinals. They had that that stretch at the end of the season last year. Um, You know, some reason being financial, I'm sure, but they had that great season at the Mm -hmm. end of the year. Uh, And. Like I just, I'm, I'm looking at the lineup right now. They've got Tommy Edmund at the top. At second base, he had 262 with 11 home runs, 56 ribbies. He can play all around the diamond. Goldschmidt's great, 31 and 99, 294 average at 34 years old. Incredible. Tyler O'Neal last year coming out of nowhere. Well, not really out of nowhere. He was one of their prospects, had struggled at the major league level last year, 34 and 80 with a 286. Nolan Arenado, 34 and 105. But the OBP is actually low. It's at like 312 last year. Um, Dylan Carlson, nice all around player. Yachty can't really hit anymore. 252, 11, and 66 is respectable with the defense, though. So I can see where where he's still valuable. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. They added Corey Dickerson, Paul DeJong, 197, Bader, 267. Great defense and center. And then, uh, it's Albert Pujols' Cardinals, man. He's back. So, um, I, I see it, but at the same time, they don't have a lot of power. Um, a lot of these guys don't get on base a lot. It's kind of a singles team with the stars in the middle that can hit for power. And, and, and they have a lot of pitching. That's what they went off of. They're kind of like a more professional version of the Rays, I guess you could say, like the bigger version of the Rays. Um, so I could see them making the playoffs, but they lack that star power, even though you know, if O'Neill does what he did last year, Goldschmidt, O'Neal, Arenado would be great for this team with the pitching and then the complementary pieces. What do you think of the Cardinals?
1: I I mean, I, I'll say I like them again. I just, for some reason, I just envied the Cardinals for some reason. They're just like that, I don't know, kind of nostalgic. They're cool, pattern. man. They're just, a, they have a great stadium. They've won championships. They, and they, they just find ways to win. I just, for some reason, I, I grew up watching the Cardinals a lot just because of, I think, Pujols, Yadier Molina, when I was playing baseball growing up, that was like, those are the guys you envied and like, People, I think in this day and age, you know, getting into baseball, aren't going to realize who Albert Pujols was in his prime. I mean, that guy was, when I used to hit and take hitting lessons and (laughs) hit the baseball, that's the guy you looked at and were like, man, this is how you hit the baseball at the middle for power, get on base and love to see him back in in St. Louis. And I just think I like him so much is because they can pitch. They, they trust the process and what, what they have on the mound. They, they don't care who we throw out. We're going to throw consistent innings. We're going to have quality starts, quality outings. And then we may not have the best lineup out there that scores a ton of runs, but we're going to grind out those two-to-one games. We're going to find ways to win. And they do have some some household names in that lineup. Pujols, Molina, Granite, they're older. But you have guys like Harrison Bader who can flip the lineup over. You have Goldschmidt at two and Tyler O'Neill, Nolan Aronado. It's a good – I think it's a solid, better than most lineup in the league. And it's just if they can find a way to school more runs. is It's been their downfall the last two years. They're a playoff team. They're a playoff-caliber team. It's just when it comes to the postseason, they can't hit the baseball, and that's what ultimately costs them. Now, pitching wins championships. It's what they have, but you still have to be able to hit for power in the postseason still. The COVID year, they played the Padres – they got outclassed by a team that could as flat out score more runs than they could. They, they yep. were able to keep up with that talent in the pitching staff that the Padres had, but the Padres has absolutely blitzed them in the fact that we're going to score 10 runs. Good luck catching us. So that's ultimately the team that can beat the St. Louis Cardinals come, come postseason and a team that's in division that can hit in pitch as well as the brewers. They're a team that can man to man play with them. If not, Be better than them come October so yeah I like the Cardinals still to compete but it'll be a little bit of a kind of a game time decision to see where I place them come uh come mid-season yeah and and, you know like I
0: the Cardinals they also have a great defense like if you juxtapose them with Philadelphia who they're going all hitting all hitting with no defense virtually except for real Muto and Harper and Boehm, I guess, is a good defender, too, and and, and I'm sure Stott is as well because he's a shortstop playing third. Um, but, like, the Cardinals, there are no holes defensively, so everyone can pick it. Everyone on their bench can pick it. Pujols doesn't have to play the field in St. Louis, so he can play lefties only. He can be their DH against lefties. Um, Corey Dickerson is a great slap hitter um, that I think, I mean, everywhere he goes, he plays the perfect role. And they, they also have young players that, could step in. And one thing that the Cardinals do that no other organization, well, well, I should say other organizations do it, but they get flack for it. The Cardinals don't get flack for this. They kind of wait until their players are like 25, 26 to get them into their starting lineups. Like O'Neill just hit last year at 26. And now they have this guy, Lars Newtbar, minor league outfielder, 24 years old. What did they do? They went out and got a Dickerson because they're saying, okay, he's 24, And and what they do in the Cardinals organization, they want them to be mature like men when they're playing. And and for the team, they're a very professional, well-oriented organization. And that's how they build their teams with that winning, you know, Adam Wainwright, you know, politician kind of straightforward attitude. And that's how they do it. And, you know, and the Cardinals did this with with Pujols and they have a minor league prospect at first base, Juan Yepes. He's -hmm. 24 turning 25 mashed at the minor league level he could have been that role lefty dh and they're like you know what let's wait till he's 25 because when o'neill was 25 he hit 170 and they're like we're we're in no rush here we'll bring in Pujols, mentor the young kids he'd he'll be perfect for Yepes. talk about a young first baseman getting mentored by freaking Pujols. they're both six three same weight same type of hitter so i like how they build the organization that way too
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's a great point you make is like you feel like they field a professional, you know, mature well matured team every single year. And that's kind of why they make it to the postseason. They have guys that have been there done that. They know how to carry themselves through a 162 game season. And they don't really they don't get flustered by ebbs and flows of the season. Now that's what you look at young teams and they go, Man, we're in a we're in a slump right now. We can't seem to get out of it. This like the Padres owned, last year. Yeah, and the, that team didn't know how to quite face that adversity, and it kept snowballing them, I and it kept going on a decline. The Cardinals find that little hill in, this, in the season, and they make the adjustment and keep going, and they find out a way to get out of it. This is a 90-win ball club from last year, and everyone forgets that, you know, the Dodgers had a walk-off to beat them. I mean, the Cardinals are right there. It was a 1-1 ball game, had the bases loaded three times in that, in that game. Could have easily knocked the Dodgers out and made it to the 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 DS series. So I like this team a lot. I think they're a a, a wild card team again this year. Uh, if they can piece it together and and like I said, create that that offensive, you know, ju- not juggernaut, but create that offensive power that they had in their heyday, they yeah. can be a contender again. And I, I you, you like to see it because they're one of the the core teams that's always there. Uh, just. One of my favorite teams. I will just say that.
0: Yeah. And I'm looking forward to the, the Albert Pujols milestones yeah. that he might hit this year in a Cardinal uniform. Perfect. I love yeah, it.
1: Farewell. Farewell. To farewell.
0: Yeah. I love farewell. it. And, and uh, the one thing for the Cardinals too, they're going to have to, if they're 500 and the time that Jack Flaherty misses time, they'll be fine. So like, that's what they have to do. Jack Flaherty is going to be out probably till May, June. They need to be like 500 till then. So let's go to the Brewers. I think they're going to win the division. You got two Cy Youngs in your rotation, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, then Peralta. I mean, that that might be the best top three in baseball. Like the Dodgers have a great top three with Kershaw, Bueller, Urias. This is right there with that. I mean, I I love that Brewers top three. They got McCutcheon. They got Hunter Renfro. They lost Abasio Garcia, but they bring those guys in. I like those additions a lot. Omar Narvaez stays a catcher. Um, Luis Urias, though, their third baseman, he's going to be, uh, or it's either Urias or Rias, forgive me there. Um, but he's going to be injured to start the season. He hit 23 home runs last season, so he's going to be a nice thing. But that's why the Brewers traded for Brasso from the Rays. He'll fill in in that time, be a nice, steady guy over there. And then they have Willie Adamas, came in and sh- he lit a fire under the Brewers offense when he got there. Mm-hmm. Top 10 shortstop material when he's playing, very underrated player. Um, Colton Wong at second base. Um, trying to think of the rest of the roster, but they, they've got uh, obviously the, the the X factor for them. Bottom line: Rowdy tillez plays first base. Center field is still Lorenzo Cain now at 35, and then right field is Hunter Renfro. McCutcheon they said is going to DH because of his age. He's 35 years old now, um, and and uh, so. But the, what I was going to say is the X factor is Yelich. He had 248 with nine home runs and 51 RBIs last year. And they won all the games that they won. If he is even, if he hits twenty home runs and has seventy RBIs, this this changes this lineup. But if he's MVP Yelich, like dude, they could win the World Series.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, people literally are are so quick to forget teams' is I guess downfall in a postseason. This team contended with the Braves. And you know, in a five-game series, they ended up losing three-one in the series. But every single game was close. They won game one two-to-one, lost game two three-nothing, lost game three three-nothing as well. And then in game four, lost five-four off a of Freddie Freeman um, solo shot to take the lead, and the Braves ultimately closed him out. They were they were a few ABs away from really, you know, I guess, taking down the potential champions um, or the eventual champions, excuse me. But I think they're, they're, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, like I said, William Adamas last year lit a fire underneath them. Uh, he's a clubhouse guy. He, he kind of creates that, you know, we're going to have a laid-back attitude. We're going to have fun playing this game. And they have a ton of weapons around them. Colton Wong, Lorenzo Cain, uh, Christian Yelich, McCutcheon's in there at the four spot. Um, bottom half of the lineup, Hunter Renfro hits for power. Had a great year in Boston last year after a really – Awful season with Tampa the year before. Um, and then you look at Rowdy Telez is in there, Salada Bear, and Omar Navarre as a catcher. A really solid lineup. So uh, if they are able to, to hit the baseball at a higher level uh, and really kind of solidify that lineup, they're going to be, they will be the, ch- the division champs. And I think that's, they're the solid pick. The Cardinals can compete with them. I don't think they have nearly as much depth yet right now. But they're able to pitch as well. They have a, a great starting rotation, and they have a good back end of the bullpen, which really, um, come crunch time, is what will get you to the postseason and, and, and really continue success out there.
0: Yeah, I really like the Brewers World Series contenders for sure. Uh, and then we got the NL West finally here. And we'll do this quick. Padres. Uh, I think they they got Shamanai and a trade. I think they did that because you look at that rotation in total. Darvish, four two two ERA last year. Snell injured a lot, ERA over five or close to five, and he couldn't go deep into games. So that that was a scare. Clevenger already on the IL, missed all of last year. Um, Dinelson Lamette couldn't stay healthy. Now he's a bullpen guy. Chris Paddock wasn't who they thought he was. He's trade bait. So they their rotation, while they have a lot of, oh my God, they got another starting pitcher. There were a lot of up and down last year. Joe Musgrove was really the only guy he threw a no-hitter last year. He was perfect basically the whole year, ERA under three. He was great. Um, and, and then they have uh, Mackenzie Gore, uh, number one pitching prospect as well, won't start in the rotation. So that's why I think they got Manaya. He provides that steadiness in there. He doesn't get hurt a lot. He's going to give you innings. Nice there, but Tatis is going to miss time to start the year. I really like the Luke Voigt move because they needed a cleanup hitter. We We said that last year. They didn't have a righty that they get. Tatis and Machado are great, but they didn't have a righty cleanup hitter because they like to hit Tatis in the first three and Machado in the first three. Uh, And they also didn't have a lefty to split up those guys. I still don't think they do because I I prefer to kind of lower Cronenworth and Grissom and maybe get another lefty. But that kind of seems out of the picture. I feel like Michael Conforto, still a free agent, would be perfect because they don't have a left fielder right now you can move Myers to left, put Conforto in right. Maybe I'm playing GM again there, Steve. Maybe I'm right in a week or two. Uh, yeah. but I like that for the Padres. When Tatis gets back, obviously that's going to be a jolt, but that rotation it is a question mark even though there's like eight nine options.
1: Yeah, uh, it's how do you want how do you want to piece it together? Blake Snell uh, kind of a liability in that lineup. I mean, rotation, excuse me. You um, Darvish, Musgrove, Shamanaya, a lot of, a lot of potential I and mean, guys that can throw the baseball hard. They have great secondary stuff. They can get guys out, but it's piecing it together. Like I've said, for every, every rotation so far, it's, it's creating that consistency and being able to do it for a long duration of time. You don't have to do it for a whole 162, but just enough to where you're be able to contend for about, would say 90 to 110 games blake snell great for two starts and then he's off for six starts you darvish can have a great outing and then he goes up and gives six the next night uh Manaya, he's had some injury problems as of late his shoulder's been an issue so is he the Manaya that was dominant to a couple years ago if he is great then that's a great solid addition to your to your rotation but this padres pitching staff i think is what Will ultimately keep them out of the postseason. And whoa, they have been, they were figured out last year, halfway through the year. The lights of their house of fire, they were able to beat anyone, everyone they were playing. And then all of a sudden, here come the Cardinals. Dodgers beat them up late late in the season. They weren't able to rebound, have a great young lineup, but I just think pitching is going to be their ultimate downfall. I just think it's just not strong enough to compete with certain teams um, out there in the West and in the, in the national league, but we'll see. I mean, this is all here. say so this is my predictions right now from, from paper. Um, once we get the season started, obviously everything um, is all hypothetical right now, but I just don't, I don't trust this Padres team as of right now, um, just because of the pitching.
0: I feel that man. I mean, really like they don't, they need five guys to stay healthy and they need five guys to stay, to stay consistent. Like you said, whatever five that is, they'll figure that out, but we'll see. I mean, because the ideal world is you have it set up when everyone's healthy to have Musgrove, Mania, Darvish, Clevenger, and Snell. And then Lamet's in the bullpen, Paddock gets traded, and Mackenzie Gore comes up next year. And that, that's probably the ideal world. And if those five click though, and they're all who they are, then you're talking about what we thought they were last year. But it just didn't come together, and then that's why we're hesitant.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 creating that that ideal scenario going. They, they need to have a game plan going into their season. Who's going to be? They can't have. Obviously, you plan for the worst. You plan for injuries. You plan for guys to be out. And I think that's kind of what. Happened to them last year. They, they, The injury bug did hit their pitching staff and they kind of were scrambling. So now I think they kind of have a better idea of who they want to be there one through five, but it's just really kind of planning for the future as well. Do we have young guys in the system that we can bring up and start, you know, having that service time click and have them getting real-time reps out there? Like said, Gore, that can come up there and play for them. So having those young guys come and slot in early on, I think benefits you. In the long run, like teams like I go back to the Rays every time if they see a guy that has potential to start in the major leagues today, they bring them up and they start them right there. They, they yep. get them exposed to that early season repetition, maybe send them back down, but they're back at the ball club in September. So I think the Padres bring as much young talent you have down there ready to go, bring them up because you plan for the worst, plan for injuries. Snell is already on the IL right now. He's battling a, an injury. There you go. So there's one right there. So have, have a, a secondary game plan. So how it fell apart last year, you're ready to kind of combat that issue um, come mid-season if it happens.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. And moving on to the Giants here, they, I think, are going to be the team that has the largest regression. Buster Posey's gone. Chris Bryant left and they didn't do really anything to combat that. No offensive additions were made to the ball club. They lost Kevin Gosman and they bring in Carlos Rodon to replace him. They also bring in Alex Wood and Discafani back on contracts and they also signed Alex Cobb. So it's interesting what they're doing. They have Logan Webb as well, who had a phenomenal rookie season at 24 years old. Now he's 25. Rodone can be nice, but he has a lot of injury problems. Even last year, 2.37 ERA, but he had 132 innings. So you'd want that to be probably about 50 innings higher if he's supposed to be your number one or number two. Uh, Webb, can he do it again? Wood, almost four ERA. De Scafani, 3.17. Is he going to do that again? I don't see him as the guy that that might replicate that. Although he pitches at AT he pitches it at, and and you know in bigger ballparks. So there's that. And then Cobb, he's a good number five. He's, he's, he's the perfect number five, honestly. He'll get you five innings, three earned. That's the type of guy that he is. And uh, and uh, so I think from a rotation standpoint, if they stay healthy, you'll always get innings out of these guys. But there's the injury concern with Rodone at the top, and they're paying him a lot of money. And then the offense, like I said, made zero additions except for Jock Peterson, and and that's just not good enough for me.
1: Yeah, I think they're in the same boat as the kind of the Rays. They got worse in the offseason, but yeah. they still have trust in the faith of what they had last year and what and what production that they had in, in, in their lineup, in their rotation as well. Um, I think this lineup is still sneaky good. I still think they have guys that can produce and get on base. They can work their counts. And that's kind of what we saw in the COVID year. They weren't as good as they were last year. They progressed, and now they regressed back to where I think they were in 2020. But they still have guys that can that can get on base, move, move the lineup through a bunch of you know 260, 270 hitters. But hey, if you have a, a group of nine of those guys, I think I'm still confident um in their day in, day out, um, you know, in their game plan. So yeah, and, and
0: listen uh, to this, like like Brandon Belt last year, 325 at bats, yeah, 29 home runs, 59 awesome. RBIs. So that that's crazy.
1: So, if you have a guy like Belt, or you know, they still have Brandon Crawford in the lineup there Uh,
0: 298, 24,
1: and 90. Added Jock Peterson to the lineup. So, you had some pop there um, from the left side. So, I think they're still in, you know, Yostrom, I get that. Yostromsky. (laughs) Yostromsky. Jeez. I feel like Paul (laughs) was right now with my pronunciations. Um, You know, these guys are all projected, you know. Belton and, and Yastrzemski themselves are both projected 25 homers, 70 RBIs. That's just a baseline. I think they still have potential. I think they're a wild card team still. Um, I think they can still throw the baseball um, in that rotation. You have Logan Webb, Rondon, Granite stays healthy. I like Day Glafani a lot. I think he has some really good stuff. Um, Alex Cobb can eat some innings. Um, you know, he's uh, <laughs> one of those guys where I don't know how he's still in the league, but. He has some potential to to eat up some innings, um, and Matt Boyd is is on the uh, IL right now. So right, and Alex Wood is still slated in the in the four spot. So they do have help in the in the rotation. They have guys that can can eat up some innings. They have experience in the league. It, it's is what's key as well. But you don't have a guy that's out there. You go, what is he going to give us? So I still think they can compete. They have a a great foundation there. It's just you know. What hurts them is they didn't, they lost more than they brought on. And they were a great ball club last year. Unfortunately, lost to the Dodgers in, in five games. It was a great series. And I think if they were to have made some additions, I think they would have been competitors for this division. But the Dodgers went out and did what the Giants didn't. They went out and got those big fish. And they got significantly better.
0: Yeah, well, let's, let's move on to the Dodgers now. And this is going to be my preview. So this song all I'm going to say. Turner, Freeman, Betts, Muncie D.H., Turner, Justin Turner, Will Smith, Bellinger, Taylor, 8-hole, Gavin Lux, preview over, Dodgers won division. <laughs> it's, it's over, dude.
1: It's It would take an absolute – not meltdown. It would just take everyone getting hurt for this team not to win. I mean, it would take Freddie Freeman going to the DL, the Mookie Betts. I mean – it, it, this lineup right now is stupid and then you add a dh in there for this team that's just not it's not even right like you go one through nine it's not even right dude they like know, i said
0: like they couldn't they wouldn't have even been able to get freeman if there were no dh because now they can just dh muncie
1: yeah exactly and then you trey turner is still there unreal shortstop has a ton of production plays great defense gets on base steals bases and then you go to the flip side in their rotation, and it speaks for itself. I mean, you have Bueller, Kershaw, Urias, and then I get Gonzalez and Andrew Heaney. Are Oh,
0: guys. no, I don't like Heaney.
1: Yeah, he's awful. Thank <laughs> you. Thank, thank $8 you million. Dollars. Thank <laughs> you for picking him up last year, and then the Rays were able to torch him.
0: God, man. Yeah. No, like,
1: he's bad. I mean, if he's one yeah. of their starting starters, then that's a... You can exploit that. But I'm seeing they have
0: Tyler Anderson as well, unless yeah, he's IL.
1: I think he's IL right yeah. now. Um, he's not slated on the first, uh, the top five in the rotation. So yeah, Danny Duffy back. IL too. Yep. So this yeah. Dodgers team is primed and ready to go. You know, compete for a championship, and it's going to be, I think, them and it's going to be them in Atlanta again. It's going to be a rematch in, I think, the NLCS for the third straight year. Um, and rightfully so, they've, they've done what it's taken to compete, stay at that level, get better, and make adjustments as other teams make moves. Uh, they're the two best teams in the NL and the two best teams in the freaking league. So uh, it's going to be hard to to beat this team. They're going to be 100-plus wins. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a, a fun time playing this team. Uh, for yeah. The
0: yeah. And Craig Kimbrell.
1: Yep, and Kimbrell uh, is – Unfortunately, added to this already stacked uh, Dodgers roster. Unfortunate, unfortunate scumbags stole yeah. our World Series.
0: <laughs> oh man. So I, I, I will say though, I feel like it would have been way worse if the Rays had won the COVID championship because then it would have just. I would have taken it. it. You would, have, yeah, that's true. All right, I would have taken it. A ring's a ring.
1: Married. Yeah, exactly. I would be Rays, are World Champions. I could die happy, man instead still chasing that that title
0: it'll happen steve all right NL predictions i got dodgers i got brewers i got braves wild cards i got mets mets phillies and cardinals i'm, the, I'm gonna go cardinals over pods no i'm not no pa- padres over the cardinals i'm
1: doing it That's it. All right. My makeshift. This is my before opening day projections that always get shit on by the quarter mark of the season. But the division winners, I got LA, obviously in the West, Central uh, Brewers, uh, East, obviously Atlanta. They're obviously Dodgers and Atlanta are my two favorites to go out to the CS. Uh, Wild card one. I have St. Louis. I have San Francisco in the second hole. And in the third spot, I have the New York Mets. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I think they finally crack it. I think they get in. Those are my three wildcard teams right now. Uh, I think the Padres will be, they'll be competitors. Um, I mean, they could very well overtake the Giants, but I still believe the Giants have, like I said, that body work from last year. I think it, there is a a carry over after a team has success like that, that they don't want to regress and and miss the playoffs. So I think they still have that fire to get back there um, and compete for a championship again. So I have San Francisco as one of my wild cards.
0: Yeah. And I have St. Louis as one of mine too. San Diego, not anymore.
1: It's so interchangeable too. Yeah, I I can't decide. I mean, now with this third wild card spot, you have so many teams that, are now thrown into the mix, I mean the Phillies. You have you have four or five teams that could be Yeah, energy. and you don't
0: have you don't have the Phillies.
1: No, I don't have the Phillies right now. I just they're one of those teams like the Mets. I was a, it was a coin toss between the Mets and the Phillies. I think they're the last wild card team in. I think it, it's going to be it, they very well both could make it in. That could be wrong on the Mets. I mean the Cardinals and the Giants they both could have uh, subpar years, but I think right now I'm just going to rely on the experience and the fact that I think they make it back um, with the high expectations going into this year.
0: All right, MVPs in each league. I got Trey Turner in the NL. I've got Vladdy in the AL. Let
1: me see. See, I didn't make predictions for that yet? Uh, let's see.
0: I just I, I thought of it just now. It was off the cuff. I was like, who do I have as MVP?
1: Hmm. Otani won he won AL last year didn't he yep and Trout's back Hmm. see I like Trout Trout's always my pick for for MVP I like I'm going back to my roots I'm going I'm going Trout AL MVP come back here and I'm going with Acuna in the NL I think he comes back from the ACL and has a tear like and they could I they know. could
0: also both be uh comeback players of the year too.
1: Yeah, those I would say those would be my comeback players of the year, and I I think they have enough talent to to be MVPs. Um, but I mean, I think Acuna was having such a great year last year before he blew his knee up. I think he was he was one of the best players in the league. I mean, until obviously unfortunate. But I think Trout has a great, both have a great year. Um, I think they both could be candidates for for MVPs.
0: Yes, sir. So this was a very long pod and I'm, I've decided, I'm just going to call it mega pod. And if you made it this far, seriously, thank you. I mean, that's awesome. You made it through the whole thing. We went through it, man. I mean, this is going to be a great season of major league baseball, the final season without uh, shift restrictions, without a pitch clock. Um, it's last year, traditional baseball basically. And hopefully the last year of the uh, ghost runner at second base, they're doing that again for uh, some reason. But uh, yeah, so there you go. And uh, opening day Thursday for some teams, Friday for the others. And we'll be back next week. We'll do hockey too next week. Lots of stuff going on in the playoff push. Panthers with the huge comeback victory over the Leafs last night. That was fun. And uh, yeah, so uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you, Steve. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.